Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a game that kids play called Would You Rather. Uh, I guess adults play it too, sometimes as an icebreaker parties or maybe at a, excuse me, a team retreat um, to try to build some camaraderie, get to know each other. The good news is that it's not just for one or the other. Uh, can work across generations. We can, as adults, we can even play it with our kids. The, that actually gives us an edge because all of us have been a child at one time, and some would argue maybe that a few of us still are. It's really not complicated. You just ask the other person a question in the form of, would you rather, and then have them explain their answer. For example, you might ask a 12-year-old girl, would you rather have your mom pick you up from school in her bathrobe or have homework for two weeks. Now what you're really asking is, would you rather be humiliated or tortured, right? You could ask a young child, would you rather have a horse's tail or a unicorn horn? Personally, I'd pick the unicorn horn because I think bring toss games are a challenge and what better way thing, you know, could it be than to take one everywhere you go? As children go into adolescence, some things just start to get funny. You know, like, would you rather sneeze cheese or have your tears be chocolate flavored? Would you rather eat a dead bug or a live worm? That'd be sure to get a reaction, and you could even make it dead bug specific. If you're playing with a preteen boy, anything remotely connected to bodily function suddenly becomes hysterical. Would you rather lick the bottom of your shoe or eat something that um, came out of your nose? Okay, now that's you know, it doesn't sound very tempting either way, but you, you might not, while you might not remember everywhere your shoe's been, you really should know what's been up your nose. Um, now you're warmed up, there's no end to the possibilities, and you can work on these in your head all afternoon long. Um, like, would you rather live without a phone or a gaming console? Would you rather never watch YouTube or never watch Netflix ever again? Would you rather be locked in a room with 500 spiders or 500 mosquitoes? Would you rather lose the ability to speak or have, have to say everything that you're thinking? Hmm. Maybe that one should get moved into the adult category. There's another would you rather in our gospel lesson this morning. It's kind of in between the lines, but it's there. It's asking, would you rather be a sheep or a goat? Jesus talks about sheep and goats this morning, lots of them. In fact, he's talking about a whole world full of them. Everyone that will be living or has ever lived when he returns because he's using them as an analogy for people, for believers and unbelievers. On this last Sunday of the church year, he's talking about the day he returns as king and judge, the day all mankind will be sorted. Uh, believers uh, on his right, the traditional place of honor, and those who have rejected his offer of uh, salvation and forgiveness, the unbelievers, on his left. It's really a kind of public posting of the grade you already received in life, the one that was essentially a public secret. The ones on the right, the sheep, will be welcomed into the kingdom of God, while the ones on the left, the goats, tragically will not. They'll receive a public proclamation of the judgment already rendered at the moment of their death. Depart from me. 
This sorting is where we've been headed the last three weeks as we've been talking about the Lord's return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, King of all creation. Because he won't come as a humble servant redeemer this time. Now Jesus is describing what it will be like on Judgment Day. It'll be a one-time event that involves all the people who are living and all the people who have ever lived. You know, imagine it happening today. You know, so maybe you're flipping channels between football games this afternoon or cleaning the garage or reading a book. Maybe you're catching up on a week's worth of Jerry Springer recordings or fill in your own vice. Suddenly there's a blaring trumpet blast and an even louder shout, loud enough to rattle your windows. In fact, it's so loud, some of them will probably shatter. But it'll be all right because you won't need any windows where you're going. And suddenly the TV changes, and it's all Jesus all the time, every station. And you hear screaming and a commotion outside, and so you, you run out and to find all, their, all your neighbors in their front yards, looking up and pointing at the sky. And so you look too. It's wall-to-wall angels. All the angels, Jesus says this morning, spread across the sky as far as you can see in every direction. And you can see King Jesus in all his glory, brighter than the sun, enthroned above. And all of a sudden, you don't care about sports anymore. You probably wish you were watching anything but Jerry Springer. That's what Jesus is describing today. The arrival of the last day, often called just the day in Scripture, or the day of the Lord. Um, the trumpet will sound, Christ will descend, the dead will rise from their graves, and then those who are still alive will be caught up in the air with the king. And then the judgment will begin. Real authentic believers will be ushered by the angels to the Lord's right hand. Pretenders, hypocrites, and unbelievers to his left. It will be hard to take our eyes off the king as the evidence is laid out. But you're not going to be able to help uh, looking to see if there's anyone you recognize on a side you might not have expected. It's a powerful thought-provoking text. And when we read it, or when we hear it, it takes us places where we really shouldn't have to worry about going. You know, we hear about being shuffled off to the Lord's right hand or to his left, and we think to ourselves, gee, you know, I wonder if I'll be the, the, the guy holding up the line. I mean, it sounds kind of complicated, right? I mean, I know Jesus, but I'm no Billy Graham. But the line moves quickly. And before you know it, you're standing before King Jesus, hoping for a chance to plead your case. Now, you have to be honest, right? Because Jesus knows everything anyway. You say, well, Lord, sometimes I fed the hungry. My congregation had a, had a box there that you could, you, the, you used to collect things for the local food pantry. And some things, sometimes I would, put, I would put stuff in there. And then there were days when I donated my old clothes to Luther's Attic, a local thrift store. I even volunteered there when I had time. And there were the times I, you know, visited the sick or made a call to the shut-ins. Now, maybe Jesus would stop you right there and say, well, okay, Rob, that's pretty good. You sound like a sheep to me. Come on over here and, and stand with the group on my right. Now, you know, I'm going to be tempted to just run right over there and try to blend in with the crowd. But I'm having this imagined conversation with God. And so I have to be honest. Well, thanks, Lord. But, you know, there were other days, really too many to count, when I stuffed myself with food while others went hungry. There were nights when I snuggled beneath my comforter, all warm and cozy, while, while others were out on the street sleeping in refrigerator boxes. 
they were lucky enough to have one. There were times when I turned people away or asking for money because I knew I had just enough to get by. And I wasn't willing to, to make the sacrifice to give something up in order to help. And you know, I've never been in, in a prison in my whole life, visiting or otherwise. And when he hears this, maybe Jesus will rub his chin thoughtfully and, and say something like, well, no, that throws a different light on things. That sounds more like a goat than a sheep. What in the world am I going to do with you? About then you hear someone way back in the back shouting, hey, who's holding up the line? You see the problem? Most of us aren't purebreds. We're more like hybrids. We're part sheep and part goat. We're compassionate when we see someone in need. We're maybe not compassionate enough to do something about it that might affect our standard of living. It's like we're converted, but maybe not that far converted, if that's even a possibility, which I don't think it is. On one hand, we can be very generous with our time and our, and our talents and every other thing we've been blessed with, but we also have a tendency to be self-centered sometimes. See how we might be the guy or the gal holding up the line on Judgment Day? We're complicated. But that's not the way it'll be. It won't be complicated at all for Christ the King. The sheep and the goats might look a lot alike in this world to us. We might even graze in some of the same pastures. That's a parable Jesus told about the wheat and the weeds that, that were growing up uh, together. On the last day, he won't be sorting by outward appearances. He sees the heart. He sorts by faith and trust in his life and his suffering and his death and his resurrection for you or your lack of it. And he rewards over and above that sorting on the basis of the evidence of that faith. The sheep will get their reward before any of their good deeds are even mentioned. The watering and the clothing and the, the sheltering and the visiting. And not one shortcoming will be remembered. Not one wrongdoing will be brought up that day because the sins and shortcomings of the believer have long since been forgiven and forgotten. The goats, no matter what they may have professed in life, simply don't have that evidence. Now, have they done some good things as well? Sure they have. Uh, unbelievers aren't evil people. Some of them might even be your friends or your family members. But good works done apart from faith in Christ won't count for anything on that day. Unless God has a plan B he hasn't told us about. You know, I wouldn't want to bet my eternity on that. Now, the odds are just, just too long. The public accounting for the goats is, will be nothing but a long list of shortcomings. People are going to know exactly why they're standing, where they are. Those on the right, Jesus said, have actually ministered to him by ministering in compassion to those in need. The evidence will also show that those on the left have actually ignored him and his invitation to faith by the bad choices they've continually made. Many who find themselves among the sheep will be those believers who serve continually and so humbly that their daily kindnesses really never seemed out of the way or out of the ordinary at all, at least to them. On that day, they won't imagine they've done anything worthy of a reward. Now, there'll be more than a few people who are going to be shocked, genuinely surprised to find out which group they've been sorted into. People who have been deceived, maybe. People who are counting on their good works, apart from faith, to get them recognized by Christ. They'll be They'll be, they'll be shocked not to get recognized for all the good things they did. 
some cases for their own benefit and recognition, other cases maybe in terms of a final reckoning uh, for extra credit. The picture of the last day is scattered all through the Bible. This is really just, just one part of it. Uh, we're saved by faith, remember, not by works. But this story assures us that an authentic uh, living faith really can't help but manifest itself in love and care for others. Now, there's some other important things here for those of us who have yet to be judged that we should probably file away. The first is to recognize that all the good things we should do but don't are just as big a deal to Jesus as the things we do that we know we shouldn't. Both are sins, and both will contribute to your recognition or lack of it on that day. Listen again to what Jesus says to those who will be sorted over on his right, to the sheep. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And those very same people he's talking to are going to ask, when did we see you and do all that? You haven't been on earth for 2,000 years. They may not remember doing all those things because to the sheep, those things kind of came to them as a second nature. They came naturally. They're not going to realize that the good they did was worthy of any recognition. In fact, in many cases, they didn't even know the people they were helping. None of those things stood out for them as anything other than what was good and, and right to do at that particular time. And Jesus will tell them, when you did any of those things for the least of my brothers, you did them for me. Now to the goats, he'll say, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. <clears throat> for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Some of them are going to think, how did you know? You haven't been on earth for 2,000 years. Jesus will answer their astonishment as well. When you didn't do it for them, you didn't do it for me. When our hearts aren't moved by the love of Christ to love his children, it's probably because we've already put ourselves on a throne that isn't rightfully ours. And we've crowned ourselves king or, or queen of our own world. And that's not where you want to be found sitting on the day the king of all creation returns. You know, sometimes it seems like our, our best plans turn out to be the ones that are unplanned, the ones that, that really spring uh, without, without thought from a faith-filled heart. On the, our verdict on the last day is going to be declared by our faith, but it will be evidenced by how we've allowed that faith to play out in our lives. Now, Jesus isn't trying to give us a complete picture here of what what we sometimes call judgment day. He's not challenging or changing anything the Bible says about salvation by faith alone, uh, in him alone. He's not adding a scorecard into the mix. He's just making a point about not ignoring those in need. All of them are neighbors. The king will be offering publicly evidence of that saving faith. <clears throat> you know, when Jesus was once asked what matters most to God, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbors as yourselves. First faith 
And then that faith played out in our daily living by caring for one another. Even the smallest things mean so much to God, just like even the smallest faith can save. So close is our connection to Christ as believers that even a cup of water offered to someone in need is, is like offering it to him. James writes, If a brother or sister is naked or lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. First faith, faith saves. But the outward evidence of that faith is a genuine uh, uh, inward desire to do good works. The arena of faith is our daily life. Compassion is meant for more than, than just extraordinary circumstances. It's for our ordinary everyday encounters. You know, we need to hear that because most of our life, our life isn't played out on the big stage. You know, the kinds of things that, that make the headlines. Most of it happens in the smaller things, the chance encounters, the, the, the random routine places, the, the times we do the right thing. Even though it seems so ordinary, we, we hardly think it's worth mentioning. And certainly not worthy of any special recognition. The sheep will discover that they were the hands and feet of Jesus every time they served the needs of others. Surprised that in serving others, they were actually serving him. And that those same people they served were able to see and experience the love of Jesus for themselves through them. And believe me, God doesn't see anything dull or ordinary in that. So, would you rather be a sheep or a goat? It's not too late to pick. May the Lord bless each of us with many opportunities to serve as we look forward in faith-filled confidence to his return. Amen. Continue with our next song. Mm -hmm.